It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www. Dot Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria.com or give my man a call 912-268-2328 912-268-2328 find out why I go all the way down to St. Simon's Island to get an authentic Italian meal today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Turning Stone Resort and Casino and their next boxing event which is taking place October 21st uh, it is an HBO event so uh, make sure you get yourself some tickets now. Go to the Turning Stone box office or visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the Turning Stone fight poster, which you'll see on the right-hand side of the screen. Make sure you demand the Billy C. discount. Now, if you're going to be heading up to the Turning Stone, uh, don't forget to uh, stop and see me. I'm going to be ringside there. So uh, drop me an email. Let me know where you're sitting, and I'll look for you. Billy at Talking Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G. Com. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Better Men in a Plane, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy right now where you're watching or listening to the show. Just go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Hey, you want a signed copy? Don't worry about it. Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. Or come and see me uh, October 21st up at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino, and uh, I will be glad uh, to uh, hook you up with a book there. And... Uh, as I said yesterday, from now through the end of this month, through the month of October, uh, if you email me directly, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, that's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, uh, I'll get you a book, uh, if, as long as you're in the United States, including shipping for 20 bucks a copy. Um, thank you for, uh, well, I should say that's uh, a, a benefit to you because of my screw-up. I uh, double-ordered last time, so I have uh, <clears throat> an extra box of books, man, so uh, you're going to benefit from that. Um, coming up a little bit uh, later uh, on the show, uh, Dax Khan will be joining us uh, uh, to give us an update on uh, some happenings that uh, haven't hit the net yet. Um I got some uh, results from the Mohegan Sun uh, Resort and Casino in uh, Connecticut, which uh, I absolutely love. 
And uh, today's uh, one of today's topics is going to be uh, about Amir Khan. Uh, Amir Khan is uh, getting back uh, into the ring. There's no fight scheduled yet, uh, but Amir Khan has uh, uh, been inactive. His last fight uh, was when he was uh, knocked out uh, in the sixth round, brutally, I might add, uh, to uh, uh, at the hands of Canelo Alvarez uh, last year. Now, since then, he's uh, undergone some personal uh, issues and... Uh, basically has turned uh, turned his back on the sport, but he, he wants to get back in the ring. He said yesterday, and I quote, I can't get back into the ring. It's where I belong. I have to apologize to all my fans uh, for not being active for over a year. Uh, I want this more than anyone. Uh, to uh, uh, It's time to make my comeback. Uh, I'm going to end up at the top where I belong. A lot's happened in my life but it's time I put everything behind me. I apologize to everyone for all my wrongdoings. It's time to move on and do what I do best, and that's boxing. Uh, Amir Khan, uh, wondering uh, if he's going to be able to rise to the top again. Joining me uh, from St. Simon's Island in Georgia is my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, Amir Khan uh, always uh, has been an exciting fighter uh, in the ring. Uh, he's had his ups and downs. Uh, he's, uh, you know, at one point labeled a really uh, soft chin, and he's proven that maybe that's not so true. Um, you know, putting all of his personal issues aside that he's faced over the last year, he's getting back into the ring. No fight or uh, date has been announced. But what's your thoughts? Can Amir Khan, um, 31 wins, four losses, 19 coming by knockout. Can Amir Khan get back to the top uh, of uh, whatever division he decides to fight in? I hope he comes back at Welter, but what do you think? I think it's going to be a hard climb, and I really do, especially with some of the uh, uh, fighters that are forming to be on the top of the welterweight and junior middleweight uh, weight class right now. I mean, you have some some real top aces, and Amir Khan, uh, we've seen him fight many times here, and you've seen maybe a a, a slippery slide down a slope, and um, you know, we'll. Uh, I wish him the best. I, I I'd like to see if he can come back, and uh, you know, it's just a matter of what his psyche is, and what is the secondary, tertiary, all these things that are affecting his focus or his uh, his mental state while he fights. Uh, they can't be uh, detractors anymore. They've got to be able to put the tunnel vision on. He's got to be able to uh, uh, remember what it was like and how he did it and what he, where how he rode the, 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 the climb up the ladder to success. And, you know, if he's able to do it, if he's able to get, some, uh, get past some of these top guys today, um, you know, you got younger bucks coming up every day. So uh, uh, I think it's going to be a hard climb for him to get back into the saddle, to tell you the truth. Huh. I think uh, I personally think he's going to do well. Um, you know, he's a big draw, and uh, I think that they will. Uh, you know, I think they will give him the right guys to get uh, another shot. And I, I think he'll get a fast a fast track. To be honest with you, Sal, maybe he gets a uh, a uh, a, a tune up fight, which I, I would hope that he would. Um, but, uh, but, but you also, you never know, you know, I mean, the one thing I've always respected about, um, you know, uh, um, Amir Khan is, is the simple fact that 
he, he does fight the big fights and he does challenge himself, unlike a lot of other, um, you know, fighters out there. You know, he, he doesn't he doesn't seem to have uh, a desire to, to get that layup. You know, now he may after a year uh, off, but uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I disagree with you. I, I think he is going to rise back to the top. Uh, he is a quality fighter. There was some rumor that uh, he was going to uh, uh, fight uh, Manny Pacquiao uh, at some point. Uh, the fight never uh, materialized, uh, but uh, but we'll have to wait and see, man. You know, that's uh, basically uh, all we can uh, all we could do, right? No, that and uh, I could wish him a lot of luck, and I and I'd like to see if he can get back up there. Um, and uh, do it with a clear path and a clear, uh, clear mind to, to show us what he can do because he, he is a good fighter. He's a quality guy too. I wish him the best. And uh, speaking of Manny Pacquiao, did he have? Did he sign to fight Jeff Horn again? Um, no, he did not. Uh, not yet. Uh, not yet. Uh, Jeff Horn is scheduled to fight somebody else, but uh, uh, he has not. Uh, he has not. Uh, sched- he has not signed and made a date yet. So I. I don't know. I, I don't think that a Manny Pacquiao uh, needs to do anything. I, I would have if I'm, you know, Jeff Horn wanted to fight at the end of this year, uh, and that's when they're tentatively uh, scheduled to fight again. And you know, Manny Pacquiao wanted to wait and wait. I, I don't know if I'm Manny Pacquiao. I would have wanted to get right back in the ring and fight Jeff Horn right away. That's the only fight really for Manny Pacquiao uh, aside. Uh, you know, because I mean, other than that, there's nothing left for Manny to prove. As a matter of fact. You know, I, I don't even know why Manny's continuing, to be honest with you, Sal. No, and and that has been my statement and my case from the get-go. Ever since he came back with that torn shoulder when he was fighting these other fighters. And, and you know, uh, it was something that I questioned because, you know, he should have came back with the sole purpose to, to do what he said he was going to do, to, to avenge his, his loss against Floyd Mayweather. And we know that fight will never in the history of boxing happen again. Well, I can't say never, say never in boxing, but it's unlikely those two will ever meet in a, in a squared circle again. And uh, But I thought that would have been his whole motivation to get back, and that would have been his direct source to, to try and instigate, to try and motivate, to try and do, to make happen. It didn't, and he took all these other fights, and I had that funny feeling. He's going to be dismantled and and uh, and uh, broken down by somebody that uh, he should have ordinarily had hadn't had to fight. Number one, but number two, uh, wasn't going to be able to get past. And that's what happened with Jeff Horn. There's if no they one. fight again, I know you and I have a difference of opinion. I think Jeff Horn will beat him even more convincingly this time. Yeah. Well, there's no. Uh, I, I don't think that, but we'll we'll see. But there's no way, and quite honestly, nobody cares to see Pacquiao and Mayweather. No, no, we don't so, right anyway. now. You know, I I think he has a whole career, a whole life ahead of him. Uh, he could be uh, uh, focusing on his politics and uh, you know his home country, where he is a star, where he is loved, where he is uh, uh, definitely needed, and um, you know. I think he has a stellar career, nothing to make excuses about, no ifs, ands, or but. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, if he was to choose never to return to the boxing ring, except for an exhibition, if you will, or anything else, um, you know, he's had a great career, great stellar career, Hall of Famer, and uh, no shame in anything he has done in the past. 
Well, back to Amir Khan. I do think that uh, he will get back to the top. What do you guys think? Drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. Uh, Amir Khan uh, uh, is a big draw, and uh, you know uh, he's a name that people recognize. With he's got a huge fan base, um, and I personally think he'll uh, be able to rise back to the top again. Uh, speaking of rising to the top, there was a fight uh, last night at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. And the main event uh, put Von Alexander. Now, Von Alexander is Devon Alexander's brother. Uh, Von Alexander was touted as being way more talented than Devon. And we also saw how successful Devon uh, Alexander's career was. And uh, Von Alexander... Uh, was sidetracked a bit, uh, did some time in the slammer, and uh, has came out, come out of jail and uh, uh, has uh, resurrected his boxing career. And last night he fought in his hometown, uh, Elvin Ayala, as the main event of a main event's uh, 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 Rising Stars boxing series, which they have. Uh, main event puts that on with Mohegan Sun. And the main event, not to confuse you with main events, uh, promotions, but the main event was Vaughn Alexander. And what a, uh exciting fight uh, they delivered, uh, Alexander and Ayala. Uh, it was a back-and-forth fight. As a matter of fact, uh, Vaughn Alexander uh, suffered a uh, broken nose, which was bleeding all over the place, uh, but it didn't appear to, to, to uh, slow him down in any bit or fashion because Elvin Ayala found himself uh, on the canvas from a brutal uh, series of punches that uh, were delivered by Von Alexander. And uh, the referee uh, halted the action at uh, 1 minute and 42 seconds uh, of the seventh round. Uh, Von Alexander improves to 11 and 0 with eight knockouts. And uh, Elvin Ayala drops to uh, 29 and 10 uh, with a draw. So, uh, I think uh, it's safe to say Vaughn Alexander uh, is a guy that uh, we should definitely be keeping our eyes on. Uh, and I love fighters, Sal, who are exciting because that's yes, what you need in this do. sport. You need excitement in the fights. Yes, it is a brutal sport, but you know what? You need excitement. And without excitement, you don't have boxing. That's my thoughts. What about you? Well, uh, you, you just said it. I mean, we can, you know, hey, boxing is, is a beautiful sport. And when we see, like we always say, styles make fights. And, uh, yeah, you can look at the style that, that we 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 can appreciate. And let's say we don't have to love, but you can appreciate how Floyd Mayweather fights. A very defensive posture. Uh, he counters. Uh, he's a craftsman. He's a footsman. He can do whatever he wants to do to move in a ring. And it's very good. Uh, and then you look at a guy with a style like a Roberto Duran or something else. These guys were warriors, were exciting. And, um, you know, when those two kind of styles meet, it's it's usually a, a pretty night, a good night of dancing. Uh, I mean, it's a good show is what I'm trying to say. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's also when you see the Rock'em Sock'em robots going in the middle of the ring, uh, it's also uh, exciting. Uh, fight fast. Like uh, the one fight that will always, always come to mind when you picture that. And I know you're going to say this or agree with me on this, Bill. But when we picture two warriors meeting in the center of the ring, Marvin Hagler and Tommy Hearns comes to, to mind right away. Yeah, well, you know what comes to mind now? Uh, <laughs> the the fight that we saw uh, with Benny Kid Perrette. 
Oh my gosh! And uh, and Gene Fulmer, uh, that uh, oh. uh, our uh, our boxing revisited uh, episode that uh, you'll be able to catch on uh, AMG TV uh, beginning uh, uh, in uh, November. So I'll keep you guys posted uh, on that one. Um, Bill, but and, and I just gotta say that was so exciting seeing that fight for the first time. I mean, we had the the anticipation. We didn't know what we we're gonna really be 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 open to. But man, I was so excited! I thought it was live ringside, and that's how we we commentated on the fight. And uh, I'm telling you, those were warriors, and and crazy, crazy, crazy exchanges between two guys that you saw in their mind, body, body, heart, and soul wanted to win. No doubt, loved it. Um. Some news has come out, uh, an update for uh, the Luis Ortiz fight that was canceled by the WBC and uh, uh, to fight Deontay Wilder, Deontay Fraud Wilder. Um, A tear uh, comes to my eye when, when, when I get this. It's an official statement from Team Luis Ortiz that uh, I'm going to uh, read to you guys. And then uh, Sal and I will give you our thoughts right after this break. So don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And, uh, you know, I'm watching that uh, some of the commercials during the break here. And uh, that one hair club. Uh, man, some of the photos on there, those guys don't even look real. It looks like they're wearing, uh, like the Bozo the Clown, uh, uh, you know, wig that shows you, you know, big, big long hair on the sides and nothing on the top. Well, you know, kind of like my hair, but, uh, which they're making fun of me in the chat room. And, uh, now I know my man Willie's dead to me a hundred percent. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the end of that. But, uh, anyway, uh, Luis Ortiz. Yeah, you, you ready for a tearjerker, Sal? I can't wait. Right, I so, can't wait. So just I'm to remind y'all, because if y'all must have forgot. Oh, that's a Roy. Isn't that a top 10 Roy Jones Jr. song? Anyway, um, you know, I, in case y'all forgot, uh, yesterday uh, we talked about how uh, the WBC, uh, well, they did it the day before, but we discussed it yesterday, how the WBC decided not to sanction the Luis Ortiz uh, fight with Deontay uh, Wilder and instead have uh, named uh, Bermaine Stavern uh, his uh, mandatory title challenger. We also went on to say how sad that was because Stavern has not fought in not one but two years uh, and he's still ranked number one with the WBC. So to me, that's a complete joke. And the WBC, in my opinion, uh, has uh, taken... uh, uh, one of those envelopes stuffed with some greenbacks in there uh, to uh, let uh, Deontay Fraud Wilder avoid a real fight with a guy like Luis Ortiz. This is my opinion. Now, uh, there was a uh, letter 
uh, released from Team Ortiz uh, yesterday. Uh, both uh, uh, the management and and uh, spokesperson for uh, Luis Ortiz, Jay Uminguez, uh, wanted to make sure that everybody uh, was uh, clear. Perf- they wanted to make sure everybody was perfectly clear, Sal, on the uh, on, on this situation because the wording that the WBC used um, kind of made me think that it was because he tested positive for a performance-enhancing drug. What, what, wasn't, wasn't that the way you kind of read it too, Sal? Well, I, I, I think that's how it was. You know, we, we were talking about the definition of uh, if it looks, quacks, and walks like, a, like somebody ducking. Hey, but uh, yeah, I think so. But why? What, 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 what is different today? Well, well... Today, let me uh, let me uh, read the official statement uh, from Team Ortiz, Luis Ortiz. It says, we'd like to clarify the Luis Ortiz situation. Uh, uh, This is the real and only version uh, of the current process uh, uh, of this situation. Mr. Suleiman and the WBC have not suspended or removed Luis Ortiz from their rankings. First and foremost, the sanctioning bodies can't suspend anybody. That's up to the commission. But anyway, they can remove him from their rankings. But he says the WBC's decision, and and get ready. I hope you have Kleenexes ready. Uh, He says the WBC's decision was as follows. They did not sanction the fight based off the fact that they are worried for Luis's health. In other words, they're saying that they didn't sanction the fight because they're concerned with Luis Ortiz's health, not for PED use. He says, and to be honest, we respect and admire their decision because we agree the fighter's health is paramount. So the WBC will schedule a visit with one of their approved physicians to check Luis Ortiz's health and make sure he's 100% healthy to f- uh, and fit to fight and that the blood pressure pills that he's on will not affect him physically. Once Luis has passed all the physical exams and is medically cleared to fight by the WBC, we'll begin to work on a fight uh, as soon as possible, hopefully towards the end of the year. Also, once all of this is resolved, we hope that we can reschedule the Wilder fight in the first quarter of next year. Wilder has shown much interest in fighting Ortiz and the best fighters in the division, so I know it'll not be hard to fight uh, to renegotiate. Uh, So I know it will not be a hard fight to renegotiate. Excuse me. He says, thank you, everyone, for your support. The soon uh, this will all be corrected and Lewis can continue on with his career, the better. Um, I don't know about you, Sal, but this is a complete line of bullshit. Um, I, I mean, the guy has been taking these meds for quite some time. As a matter of fact, uh, the last time we saw the meds, the actual prescriptions from Walgreens or World Bombs or wherever he got it from, showed that the, the that he's been on them for a while and that he's had a, a, a problem with uh, uh, high blood pressure. So, you know, all of a sudden to be worried if, if it's a concern to fight. I, I, this is my take on it. Forget the tearjerker letter uh, of how supportive Team Ortiz is with the WBC, which makes me sick because how could you be supportive uh, when uh, your fighter uh, was just, 
you know, axed off of a, a, an opportunity to, to fight Deontay Wilder. I see this as a side deal that they cut with Deontay Wilder and Ortiz so that or, or Wilder could get an easier fight, beat Stavern, and then fight Ortiz in the beginning of 2018 rather than fight the guy who he said he was going to fight in the beginning of 2018. And that is Anthony Joshua. What's your thoughts, Sal, Rocky Senecola? Let's follow the bouncing ball. Well, I, I, I do uh, want to say if they really legitimately feel that, you know, the high blood pressure is an issue, and if the medication that Luis Ortiz is taking to correct his high blood pressure has the residual or has the uh, trail of, uh, of the PEDs in it, well, then that should be all become to fruition and be known by all, and that'll solve that. And if he's having health issues, uh, I, I think that he should also correct those before he does go into the ring. But uh, to suggest that maybe, just maybe, this is all just a song and dance and, and uh, there's other entities and other uh, deals being made behind the table, do you think they really do such things in boxing? <laughs> yeah, okay. No, no, Sal. Hey, Sal, I Sal, Sal what, I, well, I want to know something. Of course. Well, have you it's, been it's, drinking? It's have you been drinking the smoke? Have you? Have you? Have you been drinking? Have you been drinking the smoke screen Kool Aid lately? I mean, Jesus, man. You know, I, I mean, if you for a minute even think closely that this isn't a scam, if that you think a for a minute, of if, if you think for a minute that the, that these guys actually are thankful. The WBC is looking out for the health of their fight. Are you kidding yeah, me? me? You don't know how much break. money this guy. <laughs> I I want to see if he got step aside, step aside, step aside money to let uh, Deontay Wilder fight fight his so-called mandatory in Stavern, who hasn't fought in two years. Listen, Deontay Wilder has yet to fight a real fighter. It's sickening to see that this is allowed, and it's sick. What's even more sickening? aside from you trying to justify it, is to see fans that actually buy into this bullshit. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them out there that all think it's, oh, they call me. They say I'm bringing, uh, uh, you know, not true and, and news that's not true and blah, blah, blah. Give me a break. The facts are the facts. Look at Deontay's record. And you show me a fighter that's a real fighter on his record. And don't show me Stavern, because Stavern had one fighter on his record that he beat twice, and that's Chris Ariola. And Chris Ariola, we all saw what Chris Ariola is, a human punching bag. Come on, give me a break. Deontay Wilder has no name on his resume that he should be pounding his friggin' chest about saying he's the best, because that's what he thinks. Deontay Wilder is a fraud. He's a fraud. He's the primo carnera of this era, even though... Primo Conera actually could fight pretty decently, more than people give him credit for. But this is this is a joke, Sal, a complete joke. Well, I, I agree in the sense of the story with the Luis Ortiz deal. I mean, that that is definitely uh, under the table, behind the scenes, uh, orchestrated happenings and events that uh, only could happen in this sport. We know that. And uh, it's a shame. But, you know, I, but I'm going to say this. I'm, Bill, you <laughs> You're going to want to beat me up for it. I think Deontay Wilder is going to prove to be a better fighter once he has a level of opposition 
that he's going to be able to you know, rise You know, you said to. this yesterday. You said it yesterday. I want to know why. How, you know, without just saying it and just I trying know. to play devil's advocate and just trying to go against me. Well, I got you. But I, I want facts, Al. Give me some facts. Tell me why. Because you know what? I like to look at, the, at, at their resumes, and I like to look and see what they've accomplished, and then I can make an educated decision on what they can do and what they can't do. We talked about this yesterday, and the, the facts are the facts. Don't tell me a fighter is good when he's been beaten up, sacrificial lambs, and human punching bags, and say, oh, he's going to show that he's better. How? How? I, I, I got to know how you come to that conclusion, Sal. Well, I think that what he has on his side, Bill, and the equalizer is his freakish-like punching power. And I think that with that being said, We've seen him take a few shots. We've seen him use a jab effectively. And I think just knowing the basics, and he, he does have fundamental basic uh, instincts, and he also has the fundamental basic schooling and tutelage as a boxer should. Uh, I think he's just got to fight and face the opposition like we always say. And like you, you say, we've never seen the best Floyd Mayweather because he hasn't challenged himself. I think it's a similar situation with Deontay Wilder. I think Deontay Wilder, once he does challenge himself, he will show that he does have the tools and he does have the ability to beat some top-ranked and top contenders that will also be proven to be worthy of, of a fight with Deontay Wilder. So I, I, I definitely think he's still the rap package that is still going to show a few surprises when he fights a, a level of opposition that we're looking for. I do. Yeah. Well, hold that thought. We're going to take a short break, and uh, I'm going to give you uh, a counterpoint. I know you're so much on point and counterpoint. So hang tight. We'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Uh, show. The Billy C. Uh, show. Yeah. Uh, glad you could be with us today. And speaking of being with me anyway, come on up to uh, the Turning Stone Resort and Casino on October 21st. Uh, their next boxing event is going to be held and it's going to be broadcast on HBO. I'm going to be ringside. I want you to hang out with me and buy me some scotches. You know what I mean? So uh, come on by. Get yourself some tickets at the Turning Stone box office. Or you could just visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the Turning Stone uh, banner, which should be updated. They haven't sent it to me yet, but uh, anyway. Um, before we went to break, uh, uh, Sal, uh, <clears throat> I don't know what's in his coffee today. I, I think he's uh, stole some of my, my, my scotch that he puts aside for me when I come down there. I think he's tapping into it. But, uh, uh, you know, he, here's the thing. Um, Sal, you, you know, you said that, uh, uh, you, first of all, I, I want to say this. I, I don't believe that Deontay Wilder, I, he's not ducking any. Personally, Deontay Wilder is not ducking anybody. Deontay Wilder 
firmly and I and I really believe this firmly believes that he's the best out there and and I I respect him for that and I feel that every fighter should feel they're the best as a matter of fact Absolutely. any sports athlete if you're a quarterback or a running back or a receiver or a defensive lineman etc cetera, etc cetera, you should feel that you're the best in in your sport because if you don't feel that um, you, you're never going to perform to a level. And if you ever feel that somebody is performing better than you, well, that's your fuel to, to get better. And I, and I think that Deontay Wilder, and, and all my negativity that surrounds Deontay Wilder is not against Deontay Wilder personally. It's against the perception of how good Deontay Wilder is from other people and the, the BS Kool-Aid smokescreen that his team uh, you know, uh, emanates for everybody and the idiots that buy into it. And with that said, uh, starting starting with our very own idiot today, Sal Rocky Senecola, who says that, uh, uh, you know, he thinks he's got a chance. Here, here's the thing, Sal, and all kidding aside, obviously you're not an idiot, but all kidding aside, I agree thank you, with thank you. Thank you for correcting that. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I agree. I agree well, about my feelings. I mean, my feelings. No, I know, I know. You're strong. You're strong. You know, have another sip of scotch. But anyway, listen, the, uh, the punching power of Deontay Wilder, I agree 100% with Sal. It is freakish. It's more than any, uh, you know, normal heavyweight, or, or it appears to be more than a normal heavyweight. And, and you know, that's why I honestly don't think that when you reach the world level, the world-class level, um, a fighter level, a superstar level, that one dimension of your game, if you only have one, you know, weapon in your arsenal, it's not going to cut it. You need more than one. And, and unless he could you know, tap somebody by mistake, pat him on the back and knock him to the ground. I mean, if he's, you know, if he's like uh, the crusher from the Bugs Bunny movies, uh, uh, cartoons, uh, you know, if he's that strong, you know, fine. But he's not. And in the heavyweight division, every heavyweight can knock out another heavyweight. So, you know, does he have more power than most? Yes. But, he, you know, as far as using his jab effectively, if he uses it, he could be very dangerous. If... He uses it. He's used it effectively once, once. And that fight was against Stavern. Ever since then, not so much. He doesn't use it, you know, whether he feels he can knock everybody out or not. And as far as him demonstrating that he's got a chin, I don't know about that. He's been rocked by less than stellar guys like Eric Molina, Johan Duapaz, and even Ator Spitzka for that matter. He's been rocked and in trouble against those guys. How he could withstand a punch from AJ or Klitschko or, or even Ortiz, they haven't put him in because they know he can't handle a punch from those guys. I'm sorry, Sal, but I strongly disagree that we can assume that this guy is going to step up to the challenge when he hasn't even stepped up his level of opposition. This guy's 38 fights under his belt, and the best opponent, in my opinion, that he's fought is Artur Spitzka. That's it. Aside from that, who else? So, I mean, hey. to suggest... Yeah, but just let me finish one thing. Yeah. To suggest that all of a sudden he's going to showcase all this skill in a fight against a level of opposition that he's never even come close to facing before is absurd. It's 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 like a genie in a lamp. I'm telling you. It's I'm telling you. I, I, I definitely disagree with you. If they If they were able to move him up 
and fight a little better, a little better, a little better, then yeah. But, I mean, they're not doing that. Stavern again? He already fought Stavern. You know, I, I, I'm i sorry. When he fights a, a, a top guy like uh, AJ or, or even if Klitschko came back or, or one of those guys, even Ortiz, he's not going to win, Sal. He's not going to win. You know, it's funny to say that. You know, <clears throat> do you really think we're also saying goodbye forever to uh, Klitschko? Wouldn't it be funny if Klitschko uh, says, hey, you know what? I want to fight uh, uh, Deontay Wilder. It comes out. He doesn't need to, but, I mean, we could add more drama to the heavyweight division if something like that was to occur. And uh, and he wants to fight Deontay Wilder for the title. Who knows? But the bottom line is, Billy, yeah, you may be right on with the whole thing with Deontay Wilder. I just think that, you know, the guy, yes, he had 38 fights. Were they all against stellar opponents? No, absolutely not. But uh, we don't know what he's been corrected on in, in sparring sessions in a gym or any gym wars or anything else and what they're utilizing. I just know that he has a good, competent trainer in my, Mark Breland. Um, and when he has to use the jab, hopefully they're going to have the tutelage in the school uh, sessions that are going to be geared to the style of fighting of, of his opponent. And uh, hopefully he has the intellect and the ability to conform and to do the style that's going to be needed to offset and to counter and to defeat his opponent. What I'm just saying is he does have the fundamental skills. He does have the effective punches, and when he can get hit and punch, that means he's in striking distance to punch his opponent back. And if he does have that power, it just takes one punch to turn around a fight. That's really my claim of why I think that he is going to prove to be a little better fighter than what he think, than what we are, are stating right now by the level of opposition he's faced thus far. I agree with you about Mark Breland, great trainer, and uh, we heard Larry Hazard say earlier this week that you know, Mark Breland gets frustrated because Deontay does not listen to the instruction he gives him, and he goes out there, and it's like, bomb squad, you know, I mean, uh, you know, and as far as the skill set, Sal, you know, how do you prove a skill set when you're constantly fighting less than stellar opposition? You know, it, it, when you fought, if somebody, if, if the, what's supposed to happen is this, you fight a fight. You and your team review the fight after, and you say, "Hey, whether you know if you win or if you lose, whatever you you know, even in a win, you know, hey, look, here's here's let's watch the tape. You know, I, this is you. This is we see what you're doing here. You know, you you need to exactly. get this hand up. You need to do this. You need to improve. You need to do. You know, you work on those those things, and you know, and then a a, a real fighter after they make adjustments in camp in training." The first thing they want to do is apply those those updates. They want to they want to see how they 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 fare. Now, if you you know you know hardly beat a guy, um, or uh, if you didn't beat a guy and you make these adjustments, well, then you're going to want to fight a guy very similar to the one that you made the adjustments for that level, so to speak, right? So you want to go in and do that. Now, if you blow away the opponent, and you always want to try and find something to improve on. Uh, you know, you want to increase your level of opposition. So you have to look at it in a couple of different ways. If you if you barely won or even if you came out with an L, you got to fight that same level opponent to get past them, to get better than that opponent so you can move up. That's how you get better and better. I'm sure you agree. And that's something that Deontay Wilder hasn't done. And I don't blame it on... I, I've said this a million no. times. I don't blame it on him. He's only fighting the guys 
And, and, and I apologize personally to Deontay because this isn't against Deontay Wilder. It's against the system. It's against the smokescreen that, that they, Team Wilder, not Deontay specifically, but his team is pulling over everyone's eyes, including Deontay Wilder. I, I, you know, and to suggest that Luis Ortiz's team is happy with the concern that the WBC has put out for their fighter is nauseating. It's, it's absolutely absurd to think that. And all I see when I read between the lines is that Deontay Wilder's team said, hey, you know what? Ortiz might be too much for Deontay coming off this layoff, coming off the injury. Remember, he hurt his hand. You know, it's coming true. off of all this stuff. You know, let's put him in with a guy we know we can kick the shit out of. Oh, let's resurrect Berman Stavern. You know, a, a guy that hasn't fought in two years. A guy that the WBC has conveniently left at their number one ranking. Let's put Wilder in with him. Then we fight Ortiz in January. Ortiz will be 105 then. And then we can avoid fighting, uh, uh, you know, AJ. You know, listen, they don't want their guy to fight AJ. AJ will destroy Deontay Wilder. No offense, Deontay, but you're just not as good. What do you think about that? I think uh, you said it all, Bill. I, I see that. And I and I do believe you hit a lot of good points. And uh, that it makes a lot of sense for what uh, you just laid out and presented. Um, and I will predict, I think that Deontay Wilder will get in the ring with AJ before uh, June of, uh, of, or by June of next year. And, uh, you know, that will be the ultimate uh, showdown right there in the heavyweight division. And I think, you know, with the hand as maybe still being concerned and wanting to test it against Stavern along with other things, that might be another thing too. But I, I do see Deontay Wilder. Uh, getting past Tavern, probably uh, fighting Luis Ortiz in the first quarter or January, February, and then uh, Anthony Joshua ultimate showdown. I do see Anthony Joshua uh, doing what he's got to do to to keep up his uh, his hands and level uh, and his sharpness by taking on some opponents before that June bout. But I I, I see that's what's going to happen I, in my mind. I think that. That Deontay Wilder is going to fight uh, Bermstam Vern. Uh, he'll look good. I think he'll fight uh, Luis Ortiz in uh, January, February. And then I think there'll be a showdown with between him and Anthony Joshua sometime by June. Well, this is the way I see it. I see Deontay Wilder knocking the crap out of Bermstam Vern. Then oh, jumping absolutely. Up, then He's ju got to do nothing less than that. Then jump up on the ropes and pound his chest and say, everybody's afraid of me. I'm the best. And meanwhile, you're going to see... Uh, a good, entertaining fight, but AJ is going to beat Kubat Pulov. Then, in the beginning of 2018, you're going to see Deontay Wilder fight an older, less, even more less active Luis Ortiz. And during that time, you really think AJ is going to wait around for Deontay? No. AJ is going to go fight Joseph Parker and unify all the belts. And yes, then he the, he's going to say, hey, you know, and Deontay's going to say he's avoiding me. And I'm going to say, if I'm AJ's team, screw you, Deontay Wilder. We don't need you. We are the champion of the world. You want us? Come to us. End of story. I think this is an extremely bad business decision. Forget everything else. I think that Team Wilder is making a bad business decision to fight Stavern over Ortiz right now. 
because all they're doing, you see, the, the, the best thing that Deontay Wilder could have done in terms of bargaining uh, power is to somehow get to Joseph Parker before AJ does. And if he doesn't do that, all he ends up with is a WBC belt. And in case you in case y'all forgot, go look at the WBC top ten rankings in the heavyweight division and tell me what you think. I mean, we already know Bermain Stavern is number one, which is kind of joke. You know, Luis Ortiz is I think number two or number three. You know, so so if if you're right and Deontay Wilder ends up fighting Luis Ortiz in, in January, uh, let's say, or, or February of 2018, he's going to just, it's just going to bypass him. And uh, the fight with AJ is going to be put off even more. Um, I, I'm sorry, but they're making, they're making a bad business decision, and they're certainly making a bad, hey, let's prove Deontay Wilder's a, a, you know, an, a, a Class A fighter because uh, he needed to fight Ortiz now. And Ortiz, he, he could... He, I don't think he could beat Ortiz, but Ortiz is ripe for the taking right now, I think. I think you're right. And I think also the scenario you just uh, had laid out is one that does make a lot of business sense, even though you didn't think so. But I think, look at this. Look what we can have given to us by June or July next year. We could have possibly AJ going after Joseph Parker, getting that other belt, and then ultimately, having uh, Deontay Wilder beat Ortiz in the first quarter, and then we will have a showdown for the unification of all the championship belts in the heavyweight division on the line by bringing a show that'll be built and promoted as stellar. And if this would be Deontay Wilder's team finally cashing in and making up for all the little sidesteps and this and that, then so be it. But that's how I see the heavyweight division playing out right now with the top players, Luis Ortiz, Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, and Joseph Parker. This is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to see. And by next summer, we are going to have one, only one, unified world heavyweight champion. And I think it's going to be exciting. We're not going to have Rodney Dangerfield in the movie Back to School. We're not going to have a unified champion because the sanctioning bodies don't want it. And and the one the one important thing I forgot to leave out. The one important thing I forgot to leave out when I was dreaming about the possibility of AJ fighting Joseph Parker to get that last belt is the WBA. The WBA is going to force. Uh, AJ to fight their mandatory whoever whatever slug that may be uh, because remember you know uh, AJ is fighting right now he's fighting Cuba Pulov because Pulov is the mandatory for the IBF version of the belt that he has so um, you know I, and remember the WBA is the same one that was sanctioning Shannon Briggs against Freza Quendo for their regular WBA World Heavyweight title. Uh, right. Shannon Briggs, 105, hasn't fought anybody in a decade, anybody That's real. And Freza Quendo hasn't fought in over two years himself. That's so, uh, I mean, you know, so get ready for a mandatory there. But anyway, this weekend we got a uh, uh, another World Boxing uh, Super Series fight uh, that I want to take a look at real quick. And uh, it's a super middleweight uh, uh, semifinal, whatever they're calling it. Chris Eubank Jr., who's currently the uh, IBO World uh, uh, Super Middleweight Champion, is taking on uh, Turkish fighter uh, An uh, Anvi Yildrim. 
and I and I uh, apologize if I mispronounce that name. Uh, but uh, when you take a look at Chris Eubank Jr., uh, you know he's uh, 28 years old, two years older than uh, Yildrum. Uh, he's ranked number two in the world by the computer in the super middleweight division. Uh, he's uh, the same height, but he does have a two and a half inch uh, reach advantage. Uh, Chris Eubank Jr. has a career record of 25 wins with uh, 19 uh, coming by knockout with only one loss, and that loss was against Billy Joe Saunders when Chris Eubank Jr. challenged Saunders for his WBO uh, uh, middleweight title uh, back in uh, 2014. Uh, he's won 154 rounds total with a 73% knockout ratio. His um, impressive wins to me uh, all came after he lost to Billy Joe Saunders, uh, Dmitry uh, Kudajov, uh, Tony Jeter, uh, Gary uh, Spike O'Sullivan, uh, and Nicky Blackwell. I, I give him credit for the Nick Blackwell fight, even though Blackwell's record wasn't impressive. I, I thought he was a talented fighter. And his last fight, even though he was well over uh, past his prime, uh, Arthur Abraham, uh, I give him credit for that win as well. Um, he steps in a ring with a guy in Yildrum that the computer sees at uh, number 10 uh, versus Eubank uh, sitting at number 2. Uh, like I said, he's two years younger at 26. Same height, but it's got two and a half inch uh, uh, reach disadvantage. He's got a 70-inch reach. Uh, he's uh, uh, out of Turkey. Like I said, he's undefeated 16-0 and with 10 knockouts, giving him a, a 63% uh, knockout ratio. Substantially less rounds, almost 100 to be exact. Um, Chris Eubank has 154, and uh, Yildrim only has uh, 61 uh, professional uh, um, uh, uh, rounds under his belt. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, 81. So I I, uh, I couldn't see. I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, you know, it's about half, uh, half the rounds. But uh, when you take a look at Yildrim's record, there's a couple of guys that impress me, like Aaron Pryor Jr., uh, a win over him. Uh, even though Aaron Pryor Jr.'s record isn't uh, that impressive. He also b fought and w won a tough fight against Zoltan Sira. Uh, Skylar Hippolyte is was a big, I thought it was a big win. He stopped him. Uh, he was a, a big uh, fighter that was uh, well-touted out of Canada. And in his last fight, he beat Marco Antonio Parabon, uh, won a 12-round decision there. Um, you know, I, I think Chris Eubank is a bit overrated, you know, I, 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 you know, I just, there's something about him, I, I you know, I, I just, uh, I'm having a hard time really embracing, I, and I, and I can't put my finger on it, uh, he acts like he's better than he is, uh, but, you know, the numbers don't lie, he has fought uh, the better opposition, Yildrum is not known uh, for demolishing fighters, neither is Eubank Jr., but he's not known for demolishing fighters. Uh, his win over Perrybun went the distance. Uh, another fight that, uh, um, you know, I give him credit for was the Aaron Pryor went the distance. He did stop Sarah uh, in the second round, and he did stop um, Hypolette in, in the third round, uh, you know, but... I, in order for Yildrum to win this fight, I think he's got to swarm Chris Eubank Jr. I, I think he's got to go in there for the knockout. I, I don't think there should be a feeling out for Yildrum. Uh, it is a tough fight for me to pick. Uh, I, I don't know how the computer has Chris Eubank Jr. ranked at number two uh, in the super middleweight division. Maybe the super middleweight division is, is that weak. My official pick on this fight, you know, I, 
I'm rooting for Yildrum, but I'm going to go with Chris Eubank Jr. Only because I think that Chris Eubank gets the nod in these close fights. And I think that Yildrum, uh, although he's not really, at least at this stage of the game, known as a knockout puncher. I mean, of his 16 wins, he's only 10 of them uh, have been knockouts. I think he needs a knockout in this uh, uh, fight to get the W, Sal. Uh, did you get a chance to take a look at this one or no? No, but, but I'll tell you what. You did an excellent breakdown. And I'm going to say I'm going to go with Chris Eubank Jr. I think he's going to win. I think he'll beat Yuldrum. And uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if his late late round stoppage. But it'll definitely be uh, be one that I think Chris Eubank Jr. is going to come out victor victorious. Yeah, well, you know, I, I mean, like I said earlier, not to, you know, uh, I, I agree. I, I'm picking Eubank, but... It's kind of like I'd like to see Yildrum in there. And, and the only reason is because I, I want to see some shakeups in the super middleweight division. The super middleweight division needs a shot in the arm. Uh, you know, to suggest that a guy like Chris Eubank could be controlling the super middleweight division right now um, is it, tough. I mean, Georgie Groves, is uh, he's going to be fighting next week. Um, you know, uh, Jurgen Brommer is, is uh, you know, well past his prime. Um, Callum Smith is an interesting fighter. I mean, we, we need, it's just that we don't have any characters and Chris Eubank is the wrong kind of character. So I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping for a guy like Yildrum to, to, to just mix it up a little bit and, and rock the apple cart. But I, but like you, I, I'm leaning towards uh, Chris Eubank in this one. Yeah, I think so. And I think, uh, not taking away from his, uh, from Yildrum's, uh, 16 victories. And, you know, like you said, maybe there's only one or two known fighters out there, but, uh, so we don't know how padded that record is. Uh, and going in, I think, uh, you're going to see, uh, Chris Eubank expose a lot of what, uh, what we need to see if Yildrum can rise to the occasion and, and show us he has. Um, yesterday we had some other sports. Uh, that I want to oh, get you guys caught yankees. up. I can't uh, believe you lost. You know, uh, we had the American League playoffs. Playoffs. For, playoffs. For the baseball. Uh, yes. The Astros beat the Red Sox 8-2 to uh, to take a one-game lead. You know, I was talking about this game yesterday with a buddy of mine. And, um, you know, the Red Sox made a stupid decision. You know, they didn't start their top pitcher to start this series it's 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 like the 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 uh coat the uh, manager of this team was looking ahead and you know trying to set up uh you know games down the road and in my opinion you know uh, something i learned long time ago uh coaching you always need to coach and manage for the game at hand it's correct never think about the game coming up no because it may not happen and in this case uh the red sox lost to the astros eight to two and fall a game behind uh in that series now the other series couldn't have worked out better for a guy like me who's a disgruntled mets fan the indians spanked your All yankees four right. right. to nothing to take a one game lead where was the judge man where was yeah, Aaron judge in this game you know well and what you just said billy was so in, uh, is, is so important you know i think well the yankees did what they had to do to get where they are they they came back the night before to win the wild card so they go into against the against the uh 
Cleveland Indians, and they fell well short. They couldn't sustain any any kind of uh, offense that looked like it could result in runs on their side. And they were putting up the quick stats. Uh, about 60% of the teams that are maybe a little more than 60% of the teams out there that win that first game in this divisional series go on to win the series. Now, so the Yankees are definitely, like Boston, one game behind. And like you suggested, yes, uh, had the Yankees had the opportunity to put their A team, their A pitcher, everything else out there, I'm sure they would have. They did the night before to get into the series. So that was a sidestep there. Um, And I think but what you said is ultimately so important. you got to open up the series with a statement and have your A team out there, and you got to close the series and and make sure you rotate them in enough to finish the game and finish the series. So management is very, very important at this level, and we know it. You know the Yankees, though they had yesterday. They they they're, they're uh, to get into to get into wild card. I mean their their wild card win to get into playoffs. Uh, they they their starting pitcher was at knocked out of the game in the first inning. I know they actually know. put in their fireballer last night. And uh, you know I listen. You got to just give credit to the Indians and the Astros because oh, quite yeah. honestly, I think that's the ALCS right there. I, I, the Indians Very and well. the Astros have been good all year long. And uh, they're going to be two tough teams to beat. And I'm looking forward to nothing against the Red Sox, but I'm looking forward to because I definitely don't like the Yankees. But uh, um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the Astros and the Indians uh, uh, pound it out in some other but sports. You're a New Yorker. I mean, come but on. But I'm a Mets fan. You know, listen you know? to me. As much as I like the Yankees, if they're not in it and the Mets are in, I'm going to root for the Mets. Well, that's you know that's. I'm, you're not. You're, come on. Bill, let's let's have a heart. Same thing. If my Giants don't make it, but the Jets are there, I'm gonna root for the Jets. You know, you sound like some of the boxing viewers and listeners on this show that criticize me for not supporting no. Deontay and supporting AJ. They go, "Oh, he's a United. He's from the U.S. Why is he supporting uh, a British fighter?" I'm just I'm going with the better fighter. I like AJ. Fighter, I There's everything about AJ I like. You know, not only inside the ring, but outside the ring. And how he conducts himself. To me, that's important, especially in the sport of boxing, because you're an ambassador to that sport. But anyway, uh, just some other sports real quick so uh, we can uh, take a break. And Dax is scheduled to come on. In college football, we had a a battle between two top 25 teams. Louisville, number 17, uh, took on North Carolina State, who's ranked number 24. And in an upset, North Carolina State won 39-25. to a beaten Louisville Cardinal yesterday uh, in college football. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how that uh, fares with the reorganized rankings uh, come uh, early next week. So uh, NC State beating Louisville 39-24. And in the NFL, the Patriots, you know, they struggled. Uh, uh, You know, uh, their uh, tight end was out, but, uh, you know, Tom Brady wasn't. And uh, the Patriots won 19-14 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or – now they're just the Bucks uh, to improve to three and two. Uh, sa- Sunday's games, the Jets have a chance to win and uh, and go three and two, similar to the Pat Patriots. And if the Buffalo Bills win, they'll be sole possession of first place at I'm four aware. and one. If they lose and the Jets win, we'll have a three-way tie in the AFC East, which is uh, totally uh, <laughs> shocking. Uh, as uh, I did not think. 
the Jets or the Bills would be anywhere near uh, New England after uh, the first quarter of the season is over. But uh, that's uh, wrapping it up. There's a good college game on tonight, Boise State. I'm looking forward to watching that uh, in football. But uh, anyway, hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Dax Khan is scheduled to join us. Uh, uh, so uh, don't go anywhere, all right? Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, joining me right now uh, is uh, my man uh, Dax Khan. <clears throat> but uh, Dax, you know, I don't know about you, man. But uh, you know, it seems like maybe Sal doesn't have enough time for doing the show anymore. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, every did, did time you know, you know he's he's always on the phone, he's always doing other things. I mean, it's like you know, I, I mean, guys like you and I, you know, we focus our day and nights and mornings and every minute that we have on boxing. You know, I mean, you know, we're up to date on stuff. You know, Sal. Who knows what the hell this guy's doing? You know, he comes out. I was out talking with, to my he, chef for the know, restaurant I, today. Yeah, I told yeah. Him, ah, well, in, you know, I told hey, him to do this, to hey, do that. Yeah, I'm yeah. just delegating it, and we're just doing something. Right. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I had to do it, but I focus on boxing hey, all day, hey, too, hey, and Dax, all night. Hey, Dax, when you come on this show, what do you focus on, my man? I focus on boxing. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. Uh, uh, thank you, Dax. That's you know. That's the that's a good answer. Good answer. The survey says uh, yes. Dax is right. Dax is right. It's a good answer. Not on all the other things that you do in life. You try to focus on what we're doing here on the show because we only do it for two hours a day, right? This is true. Dax, I, I do it for. I focus too, boys. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, <laughs> hey, uh, Dax, you got a bunch focus, of stuff you wanted to talk about, man. So uh, focus why don't better. you uh, let us let us in on what you got for us, man? All right. Uh, first up, let's speak about. Um, I see some talk in the chat room, and I believe you guys uh, mentioned something earlier on about um, Billy Joe Saunders, and there was talk about Amir Khan, which Amir Khan is the topic of the show. Now, uh, you know, there's been rampant talk considering that David Lemieux and Miguel Cotto will be meeting on December 2nd. David Lemieux was actually the first fighter to state that he had a December 2nd date that he wanted to stay ready for. David Lemieux and Billy Joe Saunders actually have some bad blood, and they were actually supposed to fight earlier on this year, but there were some contract negotiation problems. Now, Billy Joe Saunders, being Billy Joe Saunders, always talks a lot, and he has a lot to say, except David Lemieux has openly stated, you know what, I've agreed to all your terms, your conditions, your location, and you keep pricing yourself out. Billy Joe Saunders has went out of his way to make these astronomical demands, hoping that this fight doesn't take place. Now, a Billy Joe Saunders versus a David Lemieux fight would be very profitable. Not only would it be profitable for the fighters involved, but it would also be very profitable for Golden Boy Promotions. Considering Triple G and Canelo have been mandated to rematch next for that WBC middleweight title, a fight between... David Lemieux and a fight between Canelo Alvarez for a title, which I believe Canelo would win. What type 
how much would that actually raise the stock and the value of a rematch between Canelo and Triple G? And they'd actually wait Triple G out another year, maybe pay him some step aside money. And how much how much would that actually raise the pay-per-view buys? And that would actually make a lineal uh, middleweight champion all the belt evolved. Could you actually see that happening? Wait a minute. What? To have to have Lemieux fight Billy Joe Saunders, then the winner fight the winner of Triple G and, and Canelo? No, what I what no. I could see happening is David Lemieux facing Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, this mere con fight isn't going to happen. That's just a lot of that's just to keep fans distracted, in my opinion. But David Lemieux against uh, Billy Joe Saunders. David Lemieux, I don't care where they fought if it was Billy Joe Saunders' kitchen. David Lemieux is going to win, and then then they make a match between David Lemieux and Canelo Alvarez, and the winner of there face Triple G. Oh well, that 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 can't be because. It, it, First of all, they already have a contract in place, and if uh, if Canelo decides that he's not going to fight Triple G next, which he's already publicly stated that he is, they, from what I understand, they already have it set uh, for the Cinco de Mayo weekend. Uh, if he does not do that, Triple G would either retire or go on and, and fight uh, Billy Joe Saunders himself. I I, listen, the WBC belt, that was a big scam to begin with, in my opinion, because of all the belts that Triple G has, Canelo has no desire to fight for the WBC belt. That was just another move by the WBC to try to get their sanctioning body in the news, like they're controlling everything. Eh, no, I, I don't think that. But I do agree with you, Dax. I like uh, uh, David Lemieux against Billy Joe Saunders. I like David Lemieux against anybody. You know, I, I, I'm a little disappointed we haven't seen him sooner uh, back in the ring. Uh, I, I think he's uh, uh, corrected some wrongs, and he, he might be the future of the middleweight division after, uh, uh, after Triple G. I agree I with you, Bill. I don't see David Lemieux against Miguel Cotto. Miguel Cotto has had too much of a career, too successful. Um, he now has a, t a belt at the 154-pound weight class. I really don't think that would be a smart way for Miguel Cotto to go out. No, no, no. Miguel and, Cotto and to go out on a loss. I, I agree. And that's what would happen with David Lemieux. I agree with right. you. I agree. I had said that um, when they first 100%. talked about that. I, I said that that would be a stupid fight. Listen, I would respect Cotto for trying to uh, go out with a win against David Lemieux, but that would be a stupid fight for him fighting a, a, a big strong guy like David Lemieux I, I don't see Lemieux Cotto at all I, I really don't I think Miguel Cotto has earned all his respect in, in the sport if anybody um, has the right to go out with you know a somewhat soft defense Miguel Cotto is that guy but again being Miguel Cotto he's not going to go out easy so I think maybe a defense with his WBO title against a mediocre opponent and then he might call that a day but on over to a new future of the sport Errol Spence taking on Lamont Peterson in uh, December 16th at the Nassau Coliseum. Earlier this week, Lamont Peterson did relinquish his regular WBA title uh, with no other reason other than I don't want to hold the title up for those who want to fight for a title. Remember, he won that belt last February against David Avenesian, and February is only around the corner. Lamont Peterson hasn't talked about and he hasn't stated any upcoming fights. The WBA and it comes to that regular title is very difficult to deal with. Now, Errol Spence Here's a guy who has offered Danny Garcia, multiple other guys, an opportunity to face him for his first title defense. But now he's going to face a guy like Lamont Peterson, who is a very credible, world-class, elite fighter, doesn't get the credit he's supposed to. What does this say about Errol Spence as a fighter, that he's going to make his first defense against a guy like Lamont Peterson, 
when a lot of champions in this era and even past eras, they choose to make a softer defense. Is this making a statement where Earl Spence is trying to tell everybody, listen, I'm here, I'm the future of the division, and this is how it's going to be. I'm fighting top names, and that's all, so nobody look for another excuse. Unless you want to fight the best, understand, I'm Errol Spence, man down. This is my division. Everybody else is underneath me. If you want to dispute that, you have to step in the ring with me. I agree with you. Errol Spence is the man, sure. and what's, what's sad, for, first of all, I agree also 100% about uh, Lamont Peterson. Uh, you know, Lamont Peterson, for some reason, gets a bad rep. I mean, people don't give him the credit that he deserves. I, I think he's a quality fighter, and I, I enjoy watching uh, Lamont Peterson fight. Um, with that said, I, I, I think it's sad that a guy like Errol Spence, uh, you know, as young as he is, just winning his title, calling out big names like Danny Garcia and, and uh, Keith Thurman, and having these guys not want to fight him or having their management say this doesn't make uh, sense for us is what's wrong with the sport today. Um, you know, when you have so many belts, you know, I know some people think having all these belts are good. It gives all these fighters a chance. But the dilution process in, in the meantime is what hurts the sport. You know, when people say, oh, we have to wait for a fight to marinate, that's such a smokescreen because once a big fight happens, there's always another fight to come and take its place. By making fans and even fighters in some degree, like in this case with Errol Spence, wait longer and longer for the big fight uh, that everyone wants, you know, it may put a couple of more fannies in the seats, but it really doesn't help the sport. And to me, Dax and Sal, you know, the sport is what's in jeopardy here. And, I, I you know, the, the big fights against big names equal success for the sport of boxing. You know, having big names fight, showcase fights, and pound on their chest saying they're the best is what's wrong with the sport. Absolutely. We know this. But you know something, again, as I keep stressing to, and I know people are saying this, you know, Dak, shut up already. We get the point. We know what you're thinking. Overseas, it's a lot different, and they keep picking up steam. Now, on to this weekend's World Boxing Super Series quarterfinal between Chris Eubank Jr. and Anvil Yildrum, as you were speaking about before. The other day, I believe it was Wednesday, they had their final press conference between the two of them. And what happened was, is the manager of Yildrum, a Met owner, you know, he went crazy at the press conference. He started uh, threatening Chris Eubank Sr. He even challenged him to a street fight. Um, he became political. He made a, uh, a turkey versus uh, the UK fight. He, uh, he was belligerent. The stuff that came out of his mouth, I don't want to repeat on the show. I wouldn't want to repeat it in front of my wife or children. Now, is my owner crazy? Remember, this is the same guy back in 2008 that had the scandal with the British heavyweight Danny Williams. Remember, when Danny Williams fought Constantine Arich in Hispania. That was owner's fighter. And then when Danny Williams had Ariich in trouble, owner runs over. He grabs the, t uh, the hammer for the timekeeper's bell and tries to end the round early to save his fighter. You know, uh, Danny Williams ends up winning anyway. But is this guy the Turkish version of Rock Newman? I mean, exactly, you know, can this guy get anywhere or be allowed near a ring anywhere outside of Turkey? I don't understand this. You know, he, he, he's, he's more like the... Uh... Uh, Turkish version of Captain Lou Albano, it sounds like to me, you know. But uh, but wasn't he also involved with uh, Mike Perez when he when he was uh, when he was at, when when he was campaigning at heavyweight? I, I, wasn't he the, his promoter? Well, I, 
I no, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, he might have. He he might not. Ben, I don't know off the top of my head. I can't think about that. I have to argue a point that you made about Chris Eubank Jr. earlier. See, Chris Eubank Jr. remained very calm during that. He didn't get upset at all. Even when he was going to step up and try and separate the melee, uh, 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 Nissy Sarolin, you know, just put his hand on his shoulder, told Chris to sit down, and Chris was relaxed. He just looked down as an onlooker and sat back. Now, Chris Eubank Jr., in my opinion, this is a guy who has just gotten better and better over time, especially after the Billy Joe Saunders fight. Um, you know, in his last fight against Arthur Abraham, he showed poise. He showed that, you know, he wasn't going to get reckless and try and go in for the knockout. Um, he's created some sensational wins, especially over a guy like Gary uh, Spike O'Sullivan. The Nick Blackwell fight is something, in my opinion, really changed Chris Eubank Jr. A lot of guys, after a fight of that situation where their opponent ends up injured, what they would do is, a lot of these guys that we've seen in the past, all of a sudden they get this mind block inside them. They're afraid to either go in for the kill or, you know, something, you know, uh, when another fighter comes towards them, you know, they get hesitant. They want to pull that trigger. Either that or they just totally say, you know what, I don't want nothing to do with the sport anymore. Chris Eubank Jr., in my opinion, has become a smarter fighter, a more composed fighter, and he gets better with each passing fight. I really believe that you're giving Chris Bank, Eubank Jr. Uh, sort of a, you know, not a fair shake. I believe this is a kid right here is truly evolving in front of us, and he's becoming a superstar. Well, I hope he uh, proves you right, man. You know, I, I mean, we need we need um, a guy to take over the super middleweight division. I mean, uh, you know, all the divisions have, you know, what's good about the sport today, if the fighters actually fought each other, most of the divisions have the talent and have the characters to, to really succeed. The willingness of the teams to put the fighters against each other is a whole nother story. The only weight division that I see, you know, that jumps right out at me that needs somebody to take over is the super middleweight division. So it would be good to see uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, uh, take it over. I, I think he should beat uh, Yildrum. What do you think? I absolutely believe he will. I don't believe Yildrum, other than the guys you mentioned, uh, Hippolyte, Aaron Pryor Jr., uh, who's way past his. on his resume is uh, Bernard Donfock, who's always been a, a glorified journeyman, and then a well-passed Glenn Johnson in 2015, which he won the decision. Yildrim's never been in there with somebody the class of Chris Eubank Jr. I also believe that Chris Eubank Jr. is finding himself. For a long time, he tried to uh, more or less imitate his father. A lot of younger fighters, uh, for example, and Aaron Pryor Jr., have that pressure when their father is such a star, such a success, that they want to imitate, or they have to, you know, kind of live up to that name. Chris Eubank Jr., instead of... Uh, being more of a show-off like Chris Eubank Sr. And even Chris Eubank Sr., you tell, uh, you see him nowadays, he's more low-key. And so that's what I think is the change that we're seeing here with Chris Eubank Jr. We're watching Chris Eubank Jr. become Chris Eubank Jr. the fighter, not Chris Eubank Jr., Chris Eubank Sr.'s son, and that's the difference inside this kid. Good point. Very good point. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, what else you got, Dax? Uh, well, Three more things. One for Sal. I was asked by a bunch of kids. Uh, one, uh, the, this, no, it, it's a serious question. Okay. Um, you know, this weekend we have the Anthony Corolla and Ricky Burns fight. Uh, two guys that you never know what version is going to show up uh, in the lightweight division. I'm not really sure where either one of these guys go. But just because this is probably the biggest fight of the weekend outside of the Eubank Jr. and uh, the Yildrum fight, I believe that even though Ricky Burns is a little bit bigger, has a little more reach, he's got a lot more wear and tear on him. And Anthony Corolla should win that one. And the winner of that after... Who knows what happens? You know, that lightweight division right now is on fire, but uh, this could be the fight that decides who maybe the third best fellow in the division is because Jorge Linares and Mikey Garcia Jr. are obviously the class of the division. Yes. 
Yeah, no, I I, I, agree, I agree with you too. And uh, you know that that fight, you know the 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 thing about I, Ricky Burns interests me. I had picked when he upset uh, and won uh, his first title. I, I was one of the only people that picked him. But you know the problem with Ricky Burns is Ricky Burns. Sometimes he comes and fights, and sometimes he doesn't. You know, uh, when he's in front of his home uh, town, uh, you know, he fights better. He he does let the crowd egg him on. But, you know, he's even laid some stinkers there. So I, I don't know. Crollo might be might be hungry. That's a, that's a tough fight to pick, to be honest with you. Who do you like, Dax? I like Crow in there because, as I stated, I think he has less wear and tear on him. I think Ricky Burns at the tail end of his career, but it's a very good fight. Either way, it's a, it's a world-class fight. It's more than a, just a domestic-level fight. Now, on to the uh, South Senecola. The other night, Bill, I tried to give you a call and tell you, you know what, record it. We don't see this episode very often, Law and Order, Criminal Intent, and Humane Society episode, which our banner is on. You know, that's the episode that has to do with a professional boxer that somehow gets involved in a dogfighting ring. Uh, that main character is uh, Danny uh, Ford. He's played by Michael B. Jordan, and his trainer, Dan Loria, he's a retired Italian uh, fighter who uh, was once a champion, and what was his name? Sal. And who we happen to have on our show here, uh, seven years later, Sal Senecola. So I had some of the kids were over with my son, and they just happened to be watching the show. I DVR because, again, it was on late in the uh, night division, and Sal's name came up. And later on, they would sit there. Um, you know, some of the kids do watch the show, and some of the teachers at the school do watch the show on occasion. And people, uh, they did a little bit of Googling and a little bit of wiki on Sal. And I was asked if I could present a question to Sal. They wanted to know. They said, Sal, you know, they looked at your amateur career. They also, you know, of course, you know, they noticed that you're in the Guinness Book of World Records, uh, your professional career. They looked at the site down in uh, St. Simon, Georgia for your pizza place. And um, they were noticing, you know, back in 1979 when you were, your amateur career was on the rise after your defeat over Sean Doyle, uh, Ireland's national champion, and you started training with the 1979 U.S. Olympic team. And they were going to go over for that uh, exhibition in Poland against the Polish team, and you had hurt your shoulder in February so you were never able to make it over to there you were taken off that roster due to that injury and uh, we all know what happened in March of that year is that plane crash killing all the members on there including the Olympic team they wanted to know at this point in time Sal they said is there ever a time that Sal doesn't think about that whenever he's either watching boxing or whenever he has something in his life that goes on or even his shoulder hurts? Does that the first thing that ever comes to Sal's mind? I said, I don't know. We've never spoken about that. But, Sal, is that something that, you know, still sits with you all these years? I'm going to tell you something. I'm almost getting teary-eyed because uh, I have chills running right through my body right now. Um you know, Bobby Chez and I just fought. We were with the uh, USA team. We just came back from fighting against the uh, Canadian national team. And uh, when we got the phone calls about going on that Polish uh, national squad and fighting against uh, the Polish team with the USA squad. And um, as you had spelled out, yeah, uh, Dr. Alan Levy, who I, I, I really owe my life to, um, he at the time to get me through France and when we fought against the French when we fought against Canada, I had a series of six um, uh, cortisone shots in my left shoulder. There was a subluxation going on. And uh, I returned, and, he, and, and I got the phone call, as Bobby Chez did, to be on the top squad for the last international boxing competition before the Olympic trials were to take place for the 80 Olympics, which wound up being boycotted. Um, and I was slated. I had my berth to go on that at flight. 
said maybe within a week before that fight flight took off. Sal, you've got to really look at the big picture. I can't keep shooting cortisone into your arm. You've got to rest his shoulder. You're not going to be ready for the Olympic trials if you should wear and tear. Just skip this fight. I, I think it will be in your best interest. So my father and I talked about it, and we decided we'll pull out of this fight. We'll rest his shoulder up, and we'll wait uh, to see what happens. Like my friend Bobby Chez, who has a long history with me, he also was slated to go on that fight, that flight. And uh, he got in a car accident. He broke his nose and his jaw in a car accident a week or two before the fight. So he pulled out of that fight. Lo and behold, as I have chills, and, and like I said, I'm willing up right now because I feel I've been on borrowed time uh, right? ever since I was uh, 18, 19. I've lived my life. That's why I've grabbed that ring all the time. I'm on borrowed time. I should have went on that flight, and I should have died with everybody on board. And, and I felt only saved by the grace of God. That uh, and Dr. Alan Levy and my father, or why this gabbardos, hard-headed Italian, selected and elected not to go on that flight, and that's 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 why I'm here today. And um, you know, it's it's it, it it's something I always think about. And you know, when I do something and when I try to try to validate, I, I'm telling you, Dax, I've been on borrowed time, and because uh, I should have went down on that flight, and I could have easily been on that flight. So, yes, I never forget it. I always uh, think about it, and uh, I always get chills, and I always thank God above for sparing me that, that, that life uh, to now. And I, and I felt it was because I had other things to, to, to do yet. And uh, not that anybody who does have an accent like that doesn't. Uh, I'm just glad that I was spared. And, and uh, so I hope this answer does... Uh, does uh, uh, come off as uh, one that I'm grateful every day. That's why I always say life is a gift from God. Um, you cherish it. It's a journey. You write the journey. It's a storybook. And uh, I'm grateful for every day I could breathe. And like I said, I feel like I've literally been blessed and uh, since that day. And everybody on board that plane died, including that, that, that A team from the U.S. Olympic team. Absolutely, Sal. You know what? And um, I know that was hard to talk about. These kids are going to appreciate that when uh, they watch us later on. But you know Thank something, you Sal, again, asking. something like that, you know, you sharing that story, being able to talk about this on the show and people being able to, you know, look at that, look at some of your fights and et cetera and so on. You know, that's the type of things that a lot more people in this sport, not, of course, those situations are rare, but, you know, different situations in their life, these fighters, if they talk more to, you know, these kids and these fans about that, you know, these kids can kind of get, you know, a little bit of assumption. You know what? We're ordinary people just like you you know what forget about you know what's going on and kind of makes them dig a little bit deeper and appreciate stuff a little bit more you know when they see you know something these are just regular guys they're no different than me they're no different than anybody else they dig deep i can dig deep that same way because you know what i see them talking to me just like they would talk to anybody else which is fantastic sal hey thank you dax and like i said it was a pleasure to answer and and uh like i said it's just a blessing and uh uh life is a journey so to all the kids and everybody out there you could write your own autobiography, open up a chapter or close a chapter, but every day is a gift from God. And uh, I thank God every day that, uh, that I have the life to live, and I hope I have many more years to go because there's more of a journey I want to write about. And I'm sure you're going to do great. And last thing um, for you guys, um, yesterday I received the, uh, the Hall of Fame ballot for the modern category for 2018. 
I uh, just want to read them down to you guys real quick. Maybe uh, next week over the weekend, you can give some thoughts on who you would pick if you were on the uh, the ballot. And I'll just give you my picks real quick. Uh, Yuri Ashidov, Paulie Ayala, Nigel Ben, Ivan Calderon, uh, Satchiata, Donald Curry, Chris Eubank, Leo Gomez, Ricky Hatton, Gennaro Hernandez, uh, Julian Jackson, Vitaly Klitschko, Santos, Lassier, Rocky Lafridge, uh, Miguel Happy Laura, James wow. Huddy McGirt, Henry, Henry Moss, Darius Michaletsky, uh, Sun Kil Moon, Michael Moore, Eric Morales, Gussie Nazarov, uh, Sven Ock, Vinny Pazienza, Gilberto Roman, Gianfranco Rossi, um, Samuel Serrano, Meldrick Taylor, Fernando Vargas, Wilfredo Vasquez, uh, Rantipal Sorvorapin, and Ronald Winky Wright. Wow, those are great fights. No Marlon Starling. That's the, uh, no, 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 this year. no Marlon, no Marlon Star- Starling. Which again, pisses me off. Which Unbelievable. Piss- which really pisses me off. Um, and also, no, no also di- on there, you know, Steve um, Collins had defeated. He holds a win over both Chris Eubank Sr. and over Nigel Benn. He's not on there either. But my personal picks, if I was on the panel, I would be picking Fernando Vargas, always a warrior, a guy who was mishandled early in his career. And um, he was robbed of his right as the youngest 154-pound champion in history, in my opinion, when they made that farce of a fight between Canelo Alvarez and Matthew Hatton. Winky Wright, one of the most underrated fighters of this era or any era. And I actually, he was actually avoided until Winky was past it. Julian Jackson, hard-punching power, KO moments, not only receiving but giving. Uh, never, uh, every moment with him is exciting. Same thing for Nigel Ben, and uh, of course Eric Morales. Marco Antonio Barrera went in last year. Eric Morales, without Eric Morales and Marco Antonio Barrera, neither one of them would have actually, in my opinion, became such huge superstars and such a uh, hero to a lot of uh, younger fighters and fans. And they actually created uh, one of the most memorable and exciting uh, rivalries in all of boxing history. Uh, I think Calderon wow. uh, should definitely get into. But uh, listen, guys, we got to take a break right now. Dax, great segment. I appreciate it. One thing uh, I'd like to uh, add to your uh, promotion of our show being on uh, Law and Order, the episode Inhumane Society. Ralph Macchio was on that. He was. Uh, he oh was wow! In there. I love Ralph Macchio. He was the guy. He was. He Ralph Macchio was the was the guy that uh, had the dogs. Really, I never noticed that. He looks the same. Gloria, Jeff Goldblum, uh, Saffron Burroughs. Uh, you know, of course, uh, M- Michael uh, B. Jordan. Uh, but you know, I never, I never did all the times I watched that. I never did notice uh, Ralph Macchio. So I have to watch that again. Yeah, Ralph uh, Macchio. Ra- they were just sitting there pointing out, that, like, oh, there goes, there it goes, there it goes. Yeah, no, banner. we got, we got, we got a lot of decent time. The same, uh, same uh, poster you see, uh, the same background you see right here in the studio was uh, was the one on Law and Order. It was actually, you know, the a little story. I know I'm over my limit, but little story. It, it's it looks all worn out and and. You know, we had a, a, my man, uh, Brooklyn Mike, was uh, working on the set. And he says, hey, I, I can get your, uh, we need a, uh, you know, we're filming a boxing scene. He says, you got a poster, I'll put it up. You got a banner, I'll put it up. I said, ah, oh, geez. And I called my guy and I had him uh, make me one and overnight it to the set. And they put it up on, on there and started filming. And they said, oh, wait, 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 cut, cut, cut. This banner is too shiny. It's too new. It's, you know, it had never been anywhere, you know. <laughs> so they took it in the makeup room. And I have it now. They made it look old and dingy. It's all like makeup on this thing. It was never used anywhere else, which I thought was funny. But no, Ralph Macchio is the guy where they found the body. It was like his kennel, I think. Uh, that was uh, in the in the beginning. When they originally find the body, the first body of the, the person who was murdered, it was in the dog kennel. 
and Ralph Macchio was the owner of the dogs. They, he, he was brought in a little bit, and then they knew he had nothing to do with it. But anyway, that's who uh, was starring in that, Ralph Macchio. But, uh, yeah, Michael, Michael B. Good. Jordan at the time wasn't a big star, which he is now. Um, Jeff Goldblum, of course, is, you know, was a Hollywood legend. Uh, Dan Loria, you know, was a legend. I just always, you know, it, that was one thing that stood out in my son's mind, that Dan Loria, his name happened to be Sal. He's like, Sal, just like Sal Senecola from the show. And he's a boxing trainer. He goes, he goes is this scripted after the show? And that's how... Uh, uh, the other guys started asking questions about Sal, and some of them did some Googling and stuff like that, and a few That's of them had asked me some questions the other day at one of the soccer games. Good stuff, well, that, good stuff. I'm That's... honored, too, Dax, and I want to thank you and your your, your son and and uh, all the kids. And, and uh, hey, like I said, let them know that they could be anything they want to be in the world and uh, to do their homework, to do their due diligence, to set goals and make goals and uh, live life with, uh, with the grace of uh, – of knowing that it's a gift, and uh, and uh, thank you for all, all right. the questions. Um, Absolutely, and Dax, Thanks great for talking. Great job. We'll see. Uh, we'll see you next week, Dax, and uh, everybody else. Sorry for the uh, uh, for the networks. Uh, sorry for the delay, but we're going on break. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, don't forget the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York, is having their next uh, boxing event uh, in a few weeks, October 21st. It's going to be an HBO event. Jezreel Corrales is the main event. And uh, the return uh, of Demetrius Andre will also be on the card. And I'm going to be ringside, so uh, make sure you get some tickets and come on and say what up, man. You know, I'll have some books in case you want some. But. Uh, Anyway, I'm here with uh, Sal Senecola. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad uh, Dax, uh, you know, watched the, uh, that episode, Law & Order, again. Uh, it was pretty yeah. Cool. It was pretty cool that we had. We, we actually, if you, if you watch that episode, you can't miss our banner. I mean, we got, uh, we got a lot of airtime. As a matter of fact, when they aired that originally, um, you know, uh, we... Uh, uh, I got all kinds of calls and emails and stuff like. That. Are you paying attention? What are you doing? I'm I'm yeah. writing down the Law and Order episode. Yeah, we'll look it up yeah, and then yeah, saw yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Oh, sure. it's making you know, that's what I mean. I we need. Hey, listen, listen, Senecola. We need people. Right that are, we, we need people that are going to pay attention to the show at least while they're on it. You know what I mean? I'm on it. So, I'm on it. I'm anyway, with you, man, I'm with. We I'm got with we got an email. This one's from my man uh, Mitch, and Mitch says. Uh, uh, Poster Boy is the title of his uh, email. He says, uh, hey, guys, he says, uh, Ortiz, not Mayweather, should be the poster boy for what should have been a therapeutic use exemption. This is probably the prime case to use that outlet. Now, just so you guys understand what he means by this, is if you are taking a, a drug um, for a reason, uh, for a therapeutic reason, <laughs> um, this is what the commission 
or Vada or whoever you know is is um, you know orchestrating the uh, the testing would give you an exemption where they say okay yes his test shows positive for X Y Z but that's because he's on this you know prescription as prescribed by doctor so and so and it's for this this and the other thing um, now the reason why he mentions Floyd's name is because Floyd Mayweather. Um, has been on that list many, many times, and his um, therapeutic problem is his weak, girly, little sissy girl hands that he has. And therefore, uh, he takes a steroid that supposedly, um, you know, helps his girly, sissy hands that he has. Um, and uh, so let me finish with the, uh, with the email uh, from my man Mitch. He says, not Mayweather, Mayweather's alleged, and, May, and I'm glad to use the alleged. I know there's been a lot of talk about this, but nobody's ever been able to prove it. I wish they would, but uh, nobody's been able to prove it. Not Mayweather's alleged three failed drug tests, but a real reason like this or even Povetkin's situation, a classic example of when a therapeutic exemption should actually be used. He says, so you know what? They should just make Ortiz versus Povetkin. It's a good fight, and it'll answer wow. a lot of questions about both guys concerning the age, the mileage, and whatever else they still have left in their respective tanks. I say this because Ortiz is probably three to ten years older than he says he is, and Povetkin didn't even look that good, uh, or certainly not a world beater, in his last fight against the guy whose neck they took 45 minutes to snap back in place. Um, first of all, if you guys missed that fight, you got to watch it. Um, uh, this guy gets a shot in the neck. It was actually not in the neck. It was. It wasn't. He was claiming it was behind the head, but it was actually on the on the neck in the back. And his neck was like, you know, like like you know, like when you got to get your neck cracked to straighten out. And he was like tilted for the whole fight. And uh, Pavetkin, he kept trying to snap it back. And they actually stopped the fight. For several minutes, while they, you know, worked on him right in the ring, you know, and and normally, I mean, the fight like that, the guy can't continue, and they 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 award the TKO victory, but no, not in Russia because they actually performed, you know, a massage on the guy and and uh, physical therapy, uh, you know, no, I'm not kidding you, Sal, physical therapy on the guy, it was like two minutes. Listen. If, if you haven't seen it, punch up Povetkin's last fight. But anyway, I gotta, and then he I went on to finish. He went the distance with Povetkin with a crooked neck and all. But uh, uh, but I agree that uh, that that would be a good uh, fight. You know, Povetkin is actually ranked number two uh, in the world uh, at uh, heavyweight uh, based on the computer rankings uh, and based on you know his record and his opponent's records, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so he's ranked number two. Deontay's number three. So you got AJ one, Povetkin two, Deontay three the, as the top uh, uh, three heavyweights in the world uh, based on the computer. So uh, I agree with Mitch. What do you think? I think I think Mitch. You know he never ceases to amaze me. His emails are consistent. The guy has a great insight on the game of boxing and the sport of boxing. And uh, I think it, I agree with him 100%. Yeah. Mitch, that's a great email, man. Keep yeah, it no, up. He's he's on the ball, that's for sure. Uh, sure on is. this day, in October 6th in boxing history, in 1984, Leroy Murphy knocks out Marvin Camel uh, in the 14th round 
That's right. You heard it correctly. When men used to fight 15-round <laughs> fights uh, to win the IBF World Cruiserweight title. And that took place in Billings, Montana on this day in 1984. On this day in 1927, Willie Smith wins a 15-round decision over Teddy Baldock to win the British World Bantamweight title. took place in London. On this day in 1988, uh, Duke McKenzie knocks out Rolando Bojo in the 11th round to win the IBF uh, World Flyweight title. took place in London. And finally, on this day, October 6th in 1899, Charles Kidd McCoy and Joe Choinsky fight to a six-round draw at the Star Theater in Chicago. Kidd McCoy leaves with a 65-win, five-loss, and eight-draw uh, record, while Joe Choinsky exits the ring with a 40-win, eight-loss, and five-draw ledger. And uh, that's what took place on this day uh, in boxing history. Uh, programming note, we will be here on Monday, Columbus Day, but not on Tuesday. So uh, we'll remind you about that on Monday. So listen, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the fights. Do all those great things that you wanted to do last weekend that you didn't do. Do them this weekend. Uh, fall is uh, going to be upon us. And then after that, you know what happens, at least in the North Country, it gets cold. So, uh, hey, make sure you tune in Monday morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby.